0: He's big and strong, he's sad and mad, and a little bit funny. You are listening to the Crash Program.
1: Hello, Crashberry here. First of all, thank you very much for listening. The number of folks tuning into the Crash program has made it so it would be possible to start charging for advertising. However, I've decided against running ads because I don't want to disrupt your podcast listening experience. Whether it be about the evil priests of Springfield, Massachusetts, or about my time on Tough Island, or, like during today's episode of Disinfomaniacs, About the trans panic in Maine, I think it would be too jarring to suddenly interrupt the narrative with... Book a drunken vacation with CaribbeanCabinRentals.com! So instead, I'm relying on you, the listener, to support journalism and stories that go places others won't. Join our community at Patreon.com, where your financial support means early access, free books and occasional bonus content. So go to patreon.com slash crash underscore or crashberry.com for all the details. Also, please rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Now, on with the show! Disinfomaniacs is a podcast about the liars, the grifters, and the fascist charlatans intent on destroying democracy. We will be reporting on how their propaganda trickles down to negatively impact local communities. We are here to expose, debunk, and pre-bunk the disinfomaniacs. Welcome to Episode 6 of Disinfomaniacs, I'm Crash Barry, and I'm here with historian and journalist Andy O'Brien. Hi there. And our fellow Chud Hunter, Nathan Bernard, is away on an undercover assignment, but will return soon. Before we get going today, we just want to give a content warning. Uh, There's lots of sex talk by elderly Chuds in this episode. So this episode, I feel, is not safe for work or for around children. What do you think, Andy? Is that okay?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't want my kids to to listen to some of the stuff we're going to talk about.
1: And this is the first episode in a series of shows. Andy is running this series that we're calling Trans Panic in Maine. So please, Andy, tell us what the hell is happening out there?
2: Yeah, Crash, uh, you attended a local school board meeting lately? No, I've been to uh,
1: many, many school board meetings when I was a reporter for the American Journal in Westbrook, Maine, back in the 90s. So I think the last school board meeting I went to was in 1994, and it was probably in Gorham or South Portland. So I haven't been to one recently. It's been almost 30 years.
2: I used to cover uh, school board meetings around the mid coast. Not very terribly exciting uh, affairs. Uh, You know, a lot of stuff about school budgets and, and discipline policies and things like that. Uh, you know, but schools are important democratic institutions that give parents and other residents the opportunity to have a say in how our children are educated. But in the past couple of years, these meetings have increasingly been dominated by people like this elderly man named Eric Bleken, uh, a self-described father's rights activist, uh, a failed uh, Republican candidate. Who spoke before the Bonnie Eagle School Board in Standish last October? Uh, He's this older, white haired gentleman with a sports coat, tie, and a flag lapel pin. At first, I was like, What's Bernie Sanders doing up there talking dirty? I can't wait to have your cock in my mouth. I'm going to give you a blowjob of of the blowjob of your life, and then I want you inside me. Okay. Yeah. All right. I have another one for you, Crash. Um, here's a great-grandmother uh, named Mrs. Stiles uh, at the same meeting.
1: This is a very long clip, and and normally we wouldn't play anything that long, but Mrs. Stiles uh, had a lot to say, and I think that uh, you're going to want to hear it.
3: My name is Mrs. Stiles, and I live in Standish. I have A great granddaughter going to middle school at Bonnie Eagle, and I have a great granddaughter in the high school at Bonnie Eagle. And I am very concerned about this book. A lot of people have been dancing around the the actual facts. So what I would like to do tonight is tell you what I see when I look in this book. On page 135, I see a figure. It's a cartoon figure, but it's very clear. It's a man, and he's on his knees. He has a beard and short hair, and there is a small boy next to him. Both seem to have erections, and the man's left hand is playing with the boy's erection. I feel that this is not an appropriate thing for children to be seeing. On page 61, I see two grown men kissing. They are joined at the the groin, and um, what it says was this would evolve into hip thrusting. I admit it's been a long time, but I do remember some hip thrusting in my life. (laughs) On page 167, it shows a boy sucking on what appears to be a penis, but the next picture down, and again, it's in cartoon form, so of course it's not pornography. There is a woman, and she has strapped on a dildo, and there's a young person there sucking on the dildo. And the comment here is, but I can't feel anything this much hotter when I was only in my imagination. This book is full of everything on page um 107 it talks about puberty blockers how to get them and what they will do for you i think these children I, th- this is not appropriate for 10 10 year olds through high school and i think that um the pictures from these are are not necessary for children to be reading. These are decisions and subject matter that should be discussed at home or in the church, but definitely not in school. On page 125, it shows a full picture of a naked woman. It shows her nipples, her breasts, hair under her arms, and pubic hair. I don't see any need for people to be looking at these kind of things. On page 138, it shows a vibrator, and I don't think that's something that 10-year-olds need to be looking into. Let these kids be kids. Let them go through their childhood and let them find out from their parents or from the church about the sex sexuality and what it really means. And I am disappointed in the school system for allowing something this vulgar and this obscene in the school. The children look up to the adults in the school and when they sanction it, the children accept it. I wasn't going to get into this, but one of my great-grandchildren told me a while back, more than a year, that she had drawn a picture. And um, she was very proud of that picture, and she showed it to me, and of course I was proud of it. Um, But my great-granddaughter is white, And when she showed it to the teacher, the teacher said, oh, well, it's okay. But it would have been so much better if you were black because they do so much of a better job.
1: I had to stop it there for a second. We're going to go back to that. Yeah. We're to believe that a teacher told the kid you'd be a better artist if you're black.
2: You hear all kinds of stuff like this at school boards right now. You know, the, the the teachers are telling them that they should hate themselves because they're white or or whatever. And it has no basis in reality. It's all of, like, how these parents and grandparents feel. It makes them feel when they hear uncomfortable truths. And so it comes out like that from them.
1: <laughs> Far be it for me to be sympathetic to a public servant, right? You run for office. You expect a certain amount of grief. But this is friggin' crazy. And it's only going to get crazier. Hold on. I'm Uh, Let's continue.
3: I think comments like this and attitudes like this book are what cause problems with children. When I was 10 years old, I wasn't giving a lot of thought to sexuality. Um, And now I have a lot of great-grandchildren. So um, I chose a picture of a man giving himself a shot of testosterone and explains what testosterone is and what it does. And I don't think that that's appropriate either. I have many more things, but I think my three minutes probably up. One of of the things that I wanted to mention was that they referred to the vaginal fluid as slime. How does that make a woman feel? I've had if vaginal
4: fluid. Miss Styles, your time has
2: expired.
3: And I've never caught it slime.
2: <laughs> you can see all the kids in the background. I mean, there's children present at these, at these meetings, and they're all just cracking up, like listening to this testimony. They're like, what is she talking about? The thing is, she sounded like, I mean, you can look at her, look at her face. She was kind of uh, seemed to be really enjoying herself. Uh,
1: yes, I thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> It's like they get off on this. All these people, like the old guy, you know, the first guy looks like Bernie Sanders. He clearly enjoyed saying these words.
2: I'm old enough to remember when these school board meetings were kind of a snore fest. You know, I mean, they talk about budgets and academic scores and and things like that, uh, you know, discipline policies. But now they've turned into kind of like these live penthouse open mic forums with all of these conservative activists carrying on. <laughs> you know, for context, these parents are all reading cherry picked parts of the graphic novel Genderqueer, a memoir uh, by Maya Kobabe. Uh, you know, I took it out from my local library and I found it quite poignant. You know, it's it's an autobiographical Coming of age story about the author's struggles growing up non binary. Uh, you know, a lot of it is Kobe trying to figure out who he is as he deals with all these societal expectations of what a person born with female reproductive organs should be. Uh, in the end, uh, Maya realizes he is neither male nor female and is basically uh, asexual. Uh, they begin going by EMR pronouns, uh, and it makes Kobe super happy when people use those pronouns because it recognizes the gender uh, he identifies as, uh, you know, there's some sexual stuff in it, but it's, it's not gratuitous at all. Uh, you know, it, it's about as arousing as the anatomical figures you might see at a sex ed class. It's really, it's not a big part of, of the graphic novel, except that it's part of, part of this person growing up and experiencing sex and deciding that it's actually not for not for co babe, you know yeah yeah there's there's many more clips i wanted to give a shout out to our friends Maisie and mooncat uh whom you can find on twitter uh mooncats at uh he man fragbard uh, we'll put that in the show notes i think uh both of whom have done tons of essential research on these creams a uh, bootcat has compiled a lot of the video clips i'm going to share today they've really did just an amazing job and have just uh driven the chuds totally insane on twitter
1: <laughs> yeah right and before we get into these clips we got to explain that our pal Maisie is a proficient researcher like oh, really yeah. good researcher yeah. And I like to always refer to her as like an antifa mom, right? It's like <laughs> she's like a mom, but she's she's willing to like almost you know do some street fighting if she needs to <laughs>
2: totally.
1: Mooncat is an open source intelligence researcher and expert, right? And I guess also um a cat.
2: yes, yeah. yeah uses a lot of cat emojis. Yeah, I also wanted to give a give a shout out to Eli. I know he's a big fan of the podcast related to to those folks. But
1: for the record here, I want to say I am not Mooncat. Frequently, (laughs) Chuds accused me many times since Mooncat arrived on the scene in Maine politics. I've been accused of being Mooncat. I'm like, why would I not take credit for this content? Right. It's like really good content. Yeah. And also, my wife is not Mooncat which is the latest accusation.
2: And the thing is, is like, they always assume it's one of us because we talk about these people and what they do. And obviously we want to take credit for that. <laughs> well, that's why we use right. our real names. Right.
1: <laughs> we don't hide. And, and we've been doing this for a long time and we're journalists, so we don't hide behind that. Yeah. So anything either one of us do, we do publicly. And, and yeah. same with Nathan. Yeah. We do publicly. We don't. We're not trolls, right? Yeah. I mean, we may troll, but we troll <laughs> under our own names. And so, we're, no, we're not Mooncat, but Mooncat has done an excellent job, as has Maisie and others. Many. There are so many great yeah. uh, people who give us tips. And you can always send tips to Crash at CrashBerry.com. Yeah. Yeah. If, I don't know if Andy wants to give an email out, because he'll get a bunch of- Andy
2: podcasts. at com. Anyway, the, the book Gender Queer has been the center of a national controversy uh, ignited by right-wing grifters like Christopher Rufo and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and, you know, national Christo-fascist groups uh, essentially comb through young adult books looking for steamy scenes to read out of context at school board meetings uh, to make everyone feel awkward and weird. Uh, you know, these people haven't read these books. They're just being flagged by these national groups that are uh, trying to stir up trouble and, and get people freaked out about public schools. You know, there's a belief among these people that if enough people see that one awkward blowjob scene in genderqueer, that they'll feel icky and vote Republican. But they live in a far right media ecosystem, this echo chamber, where they think they're receiving forbidden knowledge uh, that they have to share with the world, uh, rather than what everybody else thinks it is, is just weird, sick, conspiratorial nonsense. Uh, but naturally, all of this drama made Genderqueer the most popular book on interlibrary loan in Maine, uh, <laughs> with very long waiting lists to get it for a long time. It took a while, <laughs> you know. You know, for a while during the pandemic, uh, they were obsessed with uh, so-called critical race theory, uh, freaking out about any teaching of history of race relations and slavery and anything that makes these sort of uh, conservative uh, white folks uh, uncomfortable. Uh, and, that's, and that's where some of these people started out. They've largely settled on this whole hideous strategy of painting schools as LGBTQ plus sexual indoctrination centers. I've literally had conversations with people on Facebook who think that like there's a class on becoming a girl Yeah. that like all the boys in school have to take.
1: Every classroom has a kitty litter box because the kids that are believed to be cats yeah. will actually use the litter box in the corner of the room to go to the bathroom as opposed to, well, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are lots of kids out there that use the litter box to go to the bathroom in school.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. Happens all
1: the time. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the whole, and the whole thing was, oh, they're at Bath Ironworks and like, you know, general dynamics is putting out litter boxes for these people. I mean, they think that. A John, like all the John Waters movies are documentaries. They're like, oh yeah, all of that stuff happens, you know? And they're like, oh my God. And that's what it's like in schools now. Nothing freaks them out more than trans people, which is why the trans panic is so pervasive in the fever swabs of the online right. You know, demonizing trans people is a key component of the GOP's kind of calculated strategy to juice voter turnout of, of right-wing Christian voters. Uh, and they think that they'll win over some moderates in the process, you know, people who are like, ew, that's icky, I'm going to vote Republican. For today's uh, episode, I'm going to talk about the sort of rogues gallery of grifters, charlatans, and even a literal convicted pedophile who are leading this bigoted crusade in Maine. So hold on to your britches, folks, uh, as we discuss uh, Larry Lockman and Sean McBriarty, uh, plus their henchmen and useful idiots. So before we get into McBrady uh, and the other trolls, I want to mention the main wire. It's gone through phases. When it first came out, uh, it was it was led by this uh, veteran Republican dirty trickster named uh, Steve Robinson. And it, it was formed as kind of the blogging arm of the right-wing Maine Policy Institute, which back in the day, uh, you know, was just sort of a free market think tank. They come out with like a report on government waste called the Piglet Book. You know, Steve has this long history of Maine politics as a right-wing antagonist. Maine Wire, you can see how radicalized uh, radicalizes becomes since the Trump era, where it was mostly just like, brah, oh, you know, Democrats are spending too much money and we need to lower taxes on rich people to just like nonstop rage bait about immigrants and trans people uh, and anyone else they want to marginalize. So, you know, after Paula Page and the Republicans were totally obliterated in the midterms in 2022, um, Steve published an autopsy blaming Republicans for not going hard enough against Mills uh, on books like Gender Queer. During the campaign, Republican operative Terry Schilling's group American Principles Project spent $600,000 against Governor Janet Mills focused solely on the existence of the graphic novel Genderqueer uh, in some school libraries. Uh, so here's an example of that ad.
1: Well, well, hold on here. Now, you sent me this to clip and it's at 90 seconds. And I'm like, this is way, way, <laughs> way too much stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we're only going to play the first 30 seconds
2: I can't wait to have your in my mouth.
0: I'm going to give
5: you the of your life.
6: The visual, this is a kid sucking another kid's,
5: sorry. These parents are reading from a book Janet Mills put in our schools.
6: Slime. They make a reference to an actual gay porn site in this book.
7: My daughter says after they talk about this, they go out in the playground, they said, oh, you must be gay. You must be transgender. You must be bisexual.
5: I would never want my daughter to see this, but I don't know why this is even being taught um, when we
0: know our kids are failing in math and reading. I would never vote for Janet Mills knowing what.
1: Thanks to Mrs. Stiles, I know what they bleep, <laughs> right? Yeah. They bleep the word vaginal, which is not a bleepable word. Like you can totally say vaginal on television. So they're like, oh, we can't even say this word, but actually, you can say the word. Yeah. I guess I missed those ads. You know, I'm not much of a consumer of
2: Well, they texted them too to Republicans. Like there were even worse ads. I saw that were texted that that Republicans were posting on Facebook and stuff. And, and the thing is is like it's this total mes- messaging discipline where they immediately pivot to kids are failing in schools. It, it must be because they're reading all this porn. <laughs> you know, it's like like
1: Is that because of COVID, <laughs> right? Is that because of remote learning or the introduction of computers in a school or
2: poverty or whatever the host of reasons are the kids don't do well in school? <laughs> so Robinson has been one of the main cheerleaders of the right wing not storming school boards. Uh, you know, it, it's such as this main wire post with the caption. Wyndham Parent describes a shocking book titled Wait for it How to Have Sex with a Cat. Discovered in School Library Exclamation Point.
5: Now, are these books dangerous? Are they dangerous enough? See, as you've been hearing, and I'll mention some again, How to Have Sex with a Cat. Molestation, incest, rape, theft, pornography, hyper sexualized minors, vulgarity, intense violence, high drinking, drug
2: use, and anti-religion. The book doesn't exist. I looked everywhere for it. There was a whole there was a whole Twitter uh you know blast on that. Everybody was like, What the hell are you talking about? Uh and the main wire never took it down. They're just like, Oh yeah, here's a parent talking about some nonsense. Let's put it up there and run it up a flag bowl. Um uh, I have no idea what he's talking about. I, I really, and I, and I tried to look. I was like, what, what is he talking about? But fear bait, fear bait. You know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like this new version of during the pandemic. But we, you mentioned earlier about students dressing up as cats and shitting in litter boxes, wow. uh, you know, these rumors spread because people think, you know, saying people's proper pronouns is a slippery slope to putting out litter boxes for people or having a sex sex with a cat or something like that you know
1: never forget right there are so many dummies out there right there's lots of dummies i think
2: you and i both remember the homophobic arguments against gay marriage where they'd say well if two men can get married people will start wanting to marry animals and then you know everybody will want to have sex with animals and then what are you going to do you're going to have a whole society of people having sex with animals it's just total fallacious nonsense
1: crazy 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 crazy.
2: stuff and nobody in, in their right mind believes it except for these, these nut jobs. But anyway, you know, it's pretty clear what's going on here. They talk a lot about these books, uh, how they're pornographic. Uh, but as Crash's local senator, Lisa Keim, uh really makes clear that this is just good old-fashioned homophobia. Uh, here she is delivering a viciously homophobic rant uh, in an effort to ban genderqueer in her school district.
0: The book Genderqueer Inflicts Harm. It is vile and pornographic in its content. It encourages confusion and normalizes a dangerous lifestyle with no mention of the real health risks associated with these behaviors. Engaging in oral sex, for instance, exposes individuals to the risks of viral and bacterial infections, including chlamydia, gonorrhea, and herpes. HPV is now thought to cause 70% of oral cancers in the United States, overtaking tobacco as the leading cause of oral cancers. It is well documented also that the more sexually promiscuous a person is, the greater is the increased risk of deadly and debilitating diseases. This is not mentioned in this book. Sexual experimentation with many partners increases health risks for all kinds of cancers and STDs. It is no accident that Maine's first monkeypox vaccine is being given in a Gunkwit.
2: For those of you who didn't get the reference, a Gunkwit is a popular gay destination. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just really sad that people of Oxford County keep electing this bigot.
1: Oh, she's done. Term she's limited, term-limited.
2: Yeah. yeah, I know. She's
1: got to run for county commissioner. That's the word on the street is so that she's going to be there.
2: Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I mean, she's just totally clueless. She's talking about how, oh, oral sex. She didn't realize in gender queer. That's a person who was who is born with female reproductive organs, who's gender non-binary, sucking on a dildo. I don't understand how you're going to get herpes or HPV from a dildo. <laughs> it's just like she they didn't even know what it was. They're just like, oh, oh, oh my God. It's it's a man. It's like it wasn't even it was, they weren't two guys. It was uh, you know, two two people with uh female reproductive organs. You're never going
1: to be able to talk to them about that, right? But, but there's no explaining that to them.
2: No. But, I mean, they're just so homophobic. Like, they saw this right. as an opportunity to just be like, oh, yeah, you know, there's monkeypox in a gun quit. You know, this is the new AIDS. This is the new AIDS. Like, what they used to say back in the 80s. It's like, you know, AIDS is the gay gay cancer, gay plague. You know, it's how they spread fear. It's, how, it's why they never did anything about, uh, about AIDS during that time. Reagan didn't. Give a shit.
1: A heartbreaking time for America. And today that people are using that.
2: The other thing that's going on is that this anti-LGBTQ plus crusade against teachers and schools uh, is about eroding confidence in public education and energizing the school privatization movement. Uh, And that's pretty clear for the role of these far right evangelical uh, churches and turning out Christian homeschoolers to disparage teachers. Uh, in public schools, at school board meetings uh, of RSU 14, um, which covers uh, Wyndham and Raymond. You know, these people have hated public schools forever since the civil rights movement made them into great schools. The school privatization kicked off because people didn't want to, white parents didn't want their kids to go to school with Black people. Uh, And, you know, they've This homeschool movement uh, has allied with the school privatization movement with the rich Wall Street people who would love to privatize education and make a profit out of it. Okay, so here's a little sermon for the Tree of Life Church in Wyndham last winter before one of the school board meetings on genderqueer uh, on February 28th of this year.
5: Also, um, Wyndham has a school board meeting coming up this Wednesday. If you don't know what's going on in Wyndham right now, We should. There are some books in our school library that are just flat-out smut, and our children are being exposed to it. This is really important, and this is how we can be involved in our community. Whether you have a child in the school system or not, you are paying taxes, right? And we have a voice as taxpayers, and so... um, It just gets me riled up, guys, because our children, this generation, is at stake. They're being exposed to some really bad things in the schools that a lot of folks don't even realize. And so um, Barbara's your gal, see her after the service today if you would like to know more about how you can be involved.
2: So you can imagine what happened next. Uh, They came out of the woodwork at the school board meeting.
7: Hello, my name is Scott McDonald. I'm a previous or a former student at Windham High School. Law happened, um, and I'm not going to go into it. Um, basically, these books are all, are allowed, but when I was my freshman year, I wanted to read a Bible story for my, my class in my classroom instead of *Mice and Men*. Was not allowed to because it was not part of the curricular activity. And that's not that's not Dan, but *Tom Sawyer* is. Um, that has some pretty bad language and not going to go too far from there. But I also was told, I also had to read a book my freshman year called oh, uh, what was it? It was some, a Diary of a Part-Time Indian. It talked about people masturbating and all this other stuff and it's it was raunchy, really raunchy and I mean I don't, after hearing what I saw on national television, I don't wanna have anything to do with this school anymore. And my kids will never have anything to do with the school anymore when I have them. And I, I, I've been homeschooled for two more years now. I was homeschooled six out of, or eight out of my 12, or whatever it was. Anyways, nine out of my 12th. And I'd suggest whoever is here, I would really appreciate it if you would homeschool because you learn a lot more And all this other stuff is not going to help you in the long run. And, I mean, everybody knows me. I'm glad to know it. Anyways, thank you, and have a great night.
1: Well, obviously, they didn't teach public speaking or logic or critical thinking at his home school. A homeschooler coming to try to influence what's in the library at the public school, that just doesn't really pass the smell test at all
2: no because their parents don't like education <laughs> you know i mean the parents probably didn't have much education either and so they they try to homeschool them and they end up with the same results
1: or had a christian education well here's another one right so it was weird that it was all it was all these just white guys coming to testify here right yeah and they're obviously all from the same church It's almost like they have a uniform, right? It's like they wear a hoodie and a ball cap.
4: My name's Randy Pratt. I'm not good at this, so excuse me. I'd rather be swinging a hammer than talking in front of all these people. Um, But this is important to our future. I'm a Christian. I'm a Wyndham resident, a father of a three-year-old, 11-year-old, and a nine-year-old. I'm a small business owner and a taxpayer. My 11 year old and nine year old do not go to school here because thankfully we have the option of sending them to a different district. They they used to go here, but due to COVID regulations and schools not opening, we decided to send them to another more open school district. I can't afford private schools. I work hard every day and provide my wife and my three children. We do not have the capability to homeschool. We both work full time, but I will not be sending my three-year-old or any of my children, if I have the opportunity to this school district for as long as it's being run the way it is. These books are sick. They do not belong in my house. And they sure as heck don't belong in my child's school, or I can't always monitor what they see. I will work as many extra hours as I need to, to provide, to be able to pay for private schooling or let my wife stay home and teach. As a school, your job is to teach my son two plus two and how to read a book. It is my job to mold my son's mind with my beliefs in God or anything else I want to. And that is not
2: anybody else's job. Thank you. It's all about not exposing their kids to any other idea or any other type of person except for straight Christian people. They should have no idea who a gay person is. It's just they want to shelter them from the world.
1: They're living in a fantasy world. Right, like that they can raise these kids in a bubble. And I guess in some places they do have that kind of Christian bubble, but uh, why are you coming into the Wyndham School Board (laughs) my kids don't even go here anymore. Right, stay in your bubble. One more from these
7: guys. I'm from Wyndham, Um, in the long run, this is school. We don't need to come here to learn about sex. We don't need to come here to learn about all this stuff that you guys are teaching. We should be learning math and stuff that we need to know in real life. In reality, the book has nothing to do with the gay, whatever it is. It's porn. It's wrong. I don't want to read it. I'm homeschooled. I won't be reading it. And
2: it's wrong. I'm not going to be reading it. I'm homeschooled. I don't want to read it. I don't know. I don't know what's in it. It's porn. And here's the thing. That guy
1: is the younger brother of the first guy. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And so there's a fa- obviously a family of them out there. Yeah. And I, I, I got to say, uh, again, the uniform uh, of a hoodie and a sweatshirt. And um, I think these homeschoolers like need a lesson in etiquette because gentlemen remove their hats when yeah. indoors. That's true. And if any of them had served in the U.S. military, they'd know that. Do not wear your ball cap inside. That ain't cool. And it's again these talking points. You said it's like the the old lady saying the same thing with the ad, the Tacking Mills said. It's like they're they're all reading from the same playbook. Yeah. And beyond those things, beyond these seven or eight or nine references or whatever, they really don't have anything.
2: There's two tacks that they're taking. There's one that's it's porn, and we don't want to show kids porn. And the other one is, it's about health. And that's where you see Lisa Kime was going, where it's like, oh, this is this is showing kids unhealthy lifestyles. You know, the un- unhealthy lifestyle being homosexuality for Lisa Kime. Uh, but, oh, look, they're not wearing a condom while they're having oral sex. They try to use that. And, and that's been effective. That was, well, well, we'll hear about it later. But that was effective in Lisa Kime's district using the health uh, argument. Uh, You know, the good news is is that Mainers aren't buying into this bullshit. The website Book Riot reported that uh, in Maine, uh, out of eight challenges to remove genderqueer from the shelves, seven have been unsuccessful. The only successful ban, as I previously mentioned, was uh, unfortunately RSU uh, 56 at Dixfield, where Lisa Kine gave her hateful diatribe. Wow. But the most effective advocates against book bans have been the students themselves. Uh, you know, high school students remain uh, like this kid we're going to hear from Wyndham, have organized, testified in front of school committees and circulated petitions to keep books uh, by LGBTQ plus uh, authors in schools. Uh, and they've just been really inspiring.
5: Good evening,
8: committee members. My name is Ashlyn Cuthbert, and I am an eighth grader at Windham Middle School. I'd like to start off by thanking all of the members of the board for their dedication and consideration. I understand that comments made can be taken as unappreciative, but I hope you know that you are greatly appreciated for all of the work you do. Secondly, I would like to point out the fact that when parents get up in front of the board and read a passage from a book, it is deeply ironic and hypocritical. For one, they are taking a paragraph out of context and any and all meaning it may have. Secondly. These people are reading bits out loud at a public meeting, out of context, with current knowledge of children in the room. The same people in the same breath that all they want to do is protect students. This just proves that it's not about the, quote, pornographic material being available to students because they are more than happy to read it aloud for all to hear. By reading these out loud, they are forcing kids to listen to them. Parents can't say that if students don't, want, don't like what they're hearing, kids can just plug their ears because it goes both ways. Kids can choose to stop reading a book. Another reason that this is hypocritical is that the majority of students wouldn't even know that these books are in our libraries. Nonetheless, that these specific passages are in them, if not for people reading them aloud.
1: <laughs> She's smart. Nice job, Ashlyn Cuthbert bravo right i mean come on just so articulate polite great speaker great job and she's like you know what they wouldn't even know the kids wouldn't even know these books are in the library if you pervs didn't come to the school board meeting right
0: yeah yeah
1: it's great wow uh, that gives me hope until I, i i remember how much shit we've dumped on these kids so it's like it's like yeah Good job, Ashlyn.
2: I mean, in my experience, like I've got nieces and nephews that age and they're very, very accepting. And this stuff, they don't have hangups about that. You know, kids come out when they're in middle school. When I was, you know, wasn't that long ago, (laughs) late nineties, I guess, you know, people didn't come out in high school. People didn't even come out in college sometimes.
1: You know, 35 years ago, 40 years ago, people just didn't come out, right? So thank goodness we've had a shift in society. Let's hope we only become more accepting.
2: Yeah. I think one of the best arguments against removing gender queer from a school library came from Nathan Carlo, is a Republican state legislator from Hollis and Buxton, uh, and a chair of the Body Eagle School Board. So anyway, at at a school board meeting, he took the chuds just head-on, and he really lampooned their primary argument, which was that retaining genderqueer in the library would lead to, quote, elevated incidences of suicide, disease, drug abuse, domestic violence, obesity, depression, mental disorder, infertility, and a lifetime of physical and mental suffering. This is what these people really believe. That is a totally absurd argument, he said. And he further went on to say that genderqueer served an important educational purpose and if kids didn't want their kids reading it uh, they could tell the school they didn't want their kids to access it uh, he also noted that the whole fiasco over genderqueer queer Bonnie Eagle had cost the school district well over two thousand dollars in school resources to deal with uh, Carlo ended up reversing his vote on genderqueer queer on a second vote after the chuds came out in force uh you know likely under pressure from from the right wingers in his district but his point still stands I mean He recognized it. I think part of the reason why the guy's like 24 years old. You know, it's not a big deal for young people. It's just like, okay. He he was like, I don't see any problem with this book. You know, it's like there's anatomy, like it's not gratuitous. He just he he seemed kind of befuddled. And he's like a Christian guy who's like against CRT and all that other stuff. But he just couldn't see it. People, I I think a lot of these people who are coming out of these meetings are veterans of the Christian Civic League's anti porn crusade in the 80s. Uh, They tried to outlaw porn uh, in Maine, and they got crushed (laughs) because people don't care about that. It's just another tactic, you know, with some homophobia thrown in. You know, accusing LGBTQ people of being groomers is obviously nothing new. Uh, for decades, homophobes defamed gay men as pedophiles, uh, often with the assistance of the cops. we were going to show this 1961 anti-gay propaganda film, uh, Boys Beware, uh, but I don't think we're going to because you can find it on YouTube. And it was done by the uh, like the Inglewood Police Department. It's narrated by a police detective And it's basically spreading fear that gay men are sexual predators trying to lure innocent boys into their clutches. Uh, And it's just total bullshit. Uh, But, but that was that continued well into the seventies and eighties, you know, Some may remember country singer Anita Bryant famously used the slogan, save our children, in her homophobic referendum campaign uh, to overturn a Miami ordinance protecting gay lesbians from discrimination in 1977. And this led to a massive homophobic backlash in states across the country against protections for LGBTQ people. You know, things passed in in Hampshire, uh, Massachusetts, and and all kinds of places. because of this real backlash against some gains that LGBTQ people made, uh, you know, some of those main anti-gay crusaders from the 80s and 90s are still around, uh, and they're still very influential in the main Republican Party. For instance, uh, former GOP legislator Larry Lockman, co-founder of the Maine First Project.
1: Uh, we'll do some full disclosure Larry Lockman hates Andy and I. (laughs) Despise, threatened to sue me. You can find stuff we've written about him online. Uh, There's a lot of it. I uh, went and busted him as an undercover operation where I exposed his main first media. You remember that one,
2: Andy? Oh my god, that was a great investigation.
1: Where we showed that uh, Larry was funding an out-of-state guy. I always have to ask you, where was the guy from Kansas?
2: Uh, Nebraska. Nebraska. Lafave, Mike Lafave.
1: And he yes, yeah, so he worked in like uh, uh Nebraska writing uh, racist material about uh Lewiston. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's terrible.
2: It was like whenever there's a fight in Lewiston and anybody of African descent is involved, he would just like they just blasted over social media had to
1: get and they'd re-edit it and oh, they yeah. try to make a big deal out of it. Okay, so that's Larry Lockman. We we really have lots of problems with Larry. He's a <laughs> Big a, time, full, you know, he's he's just not a good guy. Okay, so Larry, you talk more about Larry. A
2: terrible person, terrible person. So you know Larry led anti-gay referendum campaigns. Uh he once wrote in the Lewis and Sun Journal in nineteen eighty seven clearly the practice of sodomy is learned behavior and those addicted to this form of biologically Insane sex are at the high risk for all manner of serious medical problems. The guy's got a real obsession with, with 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 gayness. I just have to say. Oh, and I've spent time
1: with him, and I can see that he's. I mean, I'm not going to say that Larry's gay because I don't know if he is or not, but he definitely has that kind of like flamey thing. Like he wears lots of jewelry, and
2: I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Larry also wrote a book in the 1980s called The AIDS Epidemic, A Citizen's Guide to Protecting Your Family and Community from the Gay Plague. Uh. It was illustrated, I believe, by his father, Vic Lockman, who was also a comic artist for Disney Comics. Larry's dad was also a notorious right-winger, religious nut. Uh, He drew far-right comic screens uh, called Biblical Economics, where he tried to sort of launder... uh, you know, right wing economic beliefs uh behind the Bible. <laughs> the Bible, you know.
1: Yeah, that really works. Jesus is a venture capitalist. Right. Yeah. Okay.
2: And he also did racist cartoons about Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement. Uh wow. Yeah. So I, I showed you some uh of those in, in, in the script. Uh you know what 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 do you what do you see there?
1: All I can say is no thanks. <laughs> No surprise that uh, Larry Lockman is a spawn of this, right? It's like, yeah, yeah. I don't even want to explain these uh, cartoons for the listener because there's no point, right? Because yeah. it's just garbage, right? It's just racist yeah. stuff and stupid stuff. And so Larry is like his dad, but here's the news this is the thing, and I, and I think I mentioned it in the story that I wrote about him. Larry's big disappointment in life is that. His daughter is like a flaming liberal. Oh, like it really hurts, right? So he has a son that's like a wicked right winger, but his daughter is like wicked lefty and it kills him. Ouch. Let's not talk about Larry Lockman's dad anymore because, wow.
2: He also drew a pro-apartheid comic uh, that was distributed as a supplement to newsletters published by the white supremacist group Canadian League of Rights uh, (laughs) that had uh, neo-Nazi ties. Uh, You know, I I included some of that, but you can find it online.
1: I'm going to say, don't waste
2: your time. But, I mean, it was all painting, like, uh, apartheid as this great place for... Black people in South Africa, and it was it was just wonderful, you know. Wow. Everything's great. There, there's like smiling sunshine <laughs> and, and, uh, and 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 smiling people everywhere in the comics. It's kind of like a Disney, like a really warped Disney comic. Anyway, uh, you know, as I mentioned, uh, Crash went undercover and interviewed Larry about those days, about his activism. Uh, Crash, he made an observation about Larry that kind of really summed it up for me. I got to spend a lot of
1: time with Larry, and it was all on tape and video. So I, I was able to review our conversations. Uh, not a secret tape and video. He, he wanted to be taped and videoed for this. He just didn't know what it was for. But anyways, <laughs> at, <laughs> so this is what I wrote. Anyways, looking back at his record of political activism, a clear pattern emerges. Whether it's gay people stigmatized by discrimination women struggling with unwanted pregnancies, or refugees fleeing war and famine, Lachman rallies on behalf of the dominant and the most intolerant forces in society to shame and crush the least powerful among
2: us. Yeah, that's just, it perfectly sums it up. Uh, Another quote from uh, your article stood out to me as well. Uh, Do you want to read this one?
1: The the culture wars. Literally, that's my favorite. I think of this. Even before you brought this up, I, I think of this often when I think about culture wars, because we see them all the time now. But this is, again, a quote from that story. And that story, what was it? 2018. Okay, so looking back at his career, Lockman is painfully aware of his team's losses in the culture wars. Quote, I'm stunned by how fast it happened, he said. We've lost the public opinion debate on many of these issues, like gay rights, for instance. You're not going to roll that back. Right.
2: He would love to.
1: Right. Uh, He's he talking to a confidant. <laughs> now I can roll that
2: back. Right. Right. So we're going to go after these trans people. Next one on the list, trans. Larry, of course, blames the sea change in public opinion on, quote, public schools and the fake news media. He's always railing about this in his newsletters. And uh, he's always taking me off his list, actually. I I, I I subscribe to it under different pseudonyms, like, constantly. And he's always finding me somehow and taking me off. And it,
1: yeah, thank goodness you do that. Because, I first of all, I don't have the stomach for that. I mean, that's how we kind of split this stuff up. It's yeah. like both of us don't have to read Larry Locke. Newsletters, <laughs> no. right? That's your job. No, no. But you don't have to like listen to Tom Kaczynski's Twitter Spaces.
2: Oh, I, I couldn't do that. That's terrible. That's terrible. And he—I mean—how much influence does that guy have? Come on, it's
1: six people. There's six <laughs> people.
2: <above him. laughs> like I said, like Larry knows that anti-gay messaging doesn't play with voters anymore. So he and the other chuds are focused on demonizing trans and non-binary people. You know, ultimately, I think. They see the existence of trans, queer, non-binary people as a threat to the patriarchy. You know, it scares the shit out of them. Uh, By by taking over school boards, making it illegal to even mention that trans people exist in schools, passing laws to ban gender reassignment surgery, drag shows, and trans athletes participating in school sports. They think they can just totally erase these people. And that's not going to happen. They've always been here, and they always will. But if you go into any right-wing chat room, that's all they ever talk about. Trans people and trans
1: sex. Every episode, we're on episode six of Disinfomaniacs now. Every single episode of Disinfomaniacs has dealt with trans issues in one way or the other. And when we came up with this idea, that was not going to be the focus of this project.
2: It just shows how disciplined right wing messages it, messaging yeah, is. Yeah. I mean, they blare it out through all of their politicians and their media and everything else, and they just they get going on. That's their thing. Last year, uh, a human rights campaign report found discriminatory and inflammatory, quote, grooming content has surged by over 400 percent across social media platforms. I mean, that just shows you.
1: You see it everywhere. Groomer, 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 groomer.
2: Groomer, groomer, groomer. But, but, you know, if you go back to 2016, it was all ISIS militants and Muslims, 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 Muslims. As you know, Crash, uh, if they're looking for pedophiles, they should probably look at some of the biggest offenders. Who are church officials, right? And you have a whole other podcast series on that topic.
1: Yeah, see, uh, season one of this podcast stream. Go back, Devils and Dirt Packs, It's about the uh, Catholic priests of Springfield, Massachusetts. I mean, we don't don't even get me going on that, right? But of course, <laughs> I'm not. And so it's like that. And the satanic panic. Yeah, you know, all the Satan worshippers and stuff like that. Meanwhile, all the priests that I write about and we're writing about now. We're doing this unbelievably evil stuff, but it was like always like some kid with a Zeppelin T-shirt on, right? And it was right, like, right. not the dude with the Roman collar.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, the eighties. Um, yeah, so for years, Larry Lockman's group made first project focus primarily on hating African immigrants. That's one of his favorite topics. But during the pandemic. He, he brought on his deputy straight white male grievance monger, uh, Sean McBriarty. He's had a few of these guys over the years. They're usually these kind of like dudes who are, you know, act kind of tough and manly and like don't take shit, but they're like really unhinged. Anyway, Sean McBriarty, kind of a similar type guy. He's self-proclaimed America's most dangerous dad. That's what he has on his Twitter. It's so not
1: self-proclaimed. I'm going to play you the tape right now. You're right. Okay. I found this tape. Okay. Ready?
2: And very few parents have said anything, but Sean McBriarty did.
5: Sean McBriarty is in the foster focus today. Sean, though, how pervasive is that
4: in our school? Sean McBriarty joins us now. He just won this lawsuit and
5: gets $40,000 from the school board. Good morning, Sean. You're his most dangerous dad, apparently. How are you? Are you being sued, or were you sued by a local district?
8: For exposing
2: the transgender that diamond and silk.
1: It is. That's (laughs) diamond and silk. And Tucker's the first one. Yeah. The other ones, I don't know who I don't know any of those other ones.
2: All the Fox News people. Yeah,
1: so that's his promo uh, stuff. That's the only stuff we're gonna run. You know, it's it, a lot of self-aggrandizing stuff, right? And he
2: oh, big time, big time. And he
1: does selfies online all the time, and he's got like this very like I'm this big guy, I'm a big important guy because I hung out with Diamond and Silk, who he met through Larry Lockman.
2: Oh yeah, because Larry Lockman loves Diamond and Silk, doesn't yeah? He, he uh, Sean McRiarty got the coveted tucker carlson guest spot you know the dream of chuds across america is to be a guest on tucker carlson and he landed it and that was a few years ago and now he's been sort of coasting on this celebrity status ever since
1: it's like constant he has like uh what he calls a tucker versity uh tucker like anniversary but for tucker (laughs) he
2: said did he celebrate it on his show Yeah, he
1: celebrates (laughs) the, the day that every year the day that he was on tucker's show
2: that is really sad. <laughs> it's really sad. Not, that's for real. What about, sorry, what real. A, what about you, your anniversary with your wife, dude? Happy Tuck Anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do something special, honey. Happy Tuck
1: Anniversary.
2: You are familiar a little bit with Shabba Greer.
1: I right? know that. He's uh, part of the Reverend Ken Graves cult. That's <laughs> Calvary Chapel up in Orrington. Uh, it's like this end times Christian cult that was really opposing all of the mask mandates and yeah. COVID restrictions. And Ken Graves is like this very charismatic preacher with a gravely voice. And all the Chuds love him. Uh, if you remember episode two, uh, Sam Bridges uh the vice chair of the main GOP, he kind of mimics him because he, he doesn't go to his church, but he hangs out of the church, right? When he goes to Bangor, he hangs out of that church. It's like
2: with the rest of the Christian youth. Just... Yes,
1: all the Christian youth love to hang out there. And I think McBrady, uh just I, I'm not sure I told you this before, Andy, but uh he recently has entered a partnership with Mike Lindell of My Pillows, where now his podcast is sponsored. We can like buy pillows and stuff and like <laughs> enter a special code. And
2: I did, I haven't gotten anything yet. <laughs> I actually did that. I was like, Oh, what's Mike Lindell gonna give me? I saw that.
1: So did you order a pillow or
2: no, no? I thought you just get something free, you just like put it. Oh, no,
1: no, them. no, 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 no. This is like it's like uh, the deal he has with Lindell because he met him at a recent conference. Yeah, McBrady hung out with Lindell, now they're partners, and Lindell is uh, giving. A special deal to mcbrarity <laughs> listeners if you enter McBrady's, you know it's like whatever his special code name is and you get a discount on my pillow stuff
2: yeah it's like main something yeah. is the
1: code okay but anyways go on I, we digress
2: yeah yeah i mean you covered you covered ken, ken graves for a while he you know i i thought he was going places he seemed like a you know a, a big time Pastor, he's got the gift of gab, got a gravelly yes, voice.
1: Yes, um, yes, very gravelly.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think McBrady has that same kind of charm and charisma. Oh, no, no. But, no, but no. what he makes up for it is just being a total asshole and just doing like worse and worse things and saying worse and worse things about people and really pissing people off to the point of people filing lawsuits against him and him being a martyr for free speech and stuff like that. Um, you know, he a few years ago uh, he quit his job to become a professional hater uh, after his Tucker Carlson you, you know like what a band, like gets like on CY, you know, one of these local stations, like, uh, you know, The Rock of Bangor or whatever, some local station plays it. They're like, "I'm going to divorce my wife. Sorry, honey, I gotta focus. I gotta, I gotta go on the road. I gotta focus on my art." This is kind of like McBrierty, like being on Tucker Carlson. He's just like, "I quit his job."
1: He worked for Maine Health, and I know he worked uh, like for Covertus and. Like one of those vet clinic ones. So he 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 had jobs, at jobs, and then careers. Yeah, and then um, Tucker gave him a taste of the glory, right? He doesn't realize that Tucker has like a fortune and like frozen <laughs> food behind him. But he's always asking for cash. That's why I wanted to play you this. I, I got one more thing I want to play you from him. Sure. I think it's kind of funny. This is one of these AI things where I took a bunch of McBrady's existing voice and fed it into a cloner and then I took the cloned voice and I had it read something that McBrady said. Okay? You following me there? Yeah, okay, okay yeah. So this is a computer a clone of McBrady. <laughs> Uh, Reading what he said.
2: I've been doing this volunteer for about a year and a half my own choice (laughs) Um, I'm not gonna claim financial hardship, but my wife every week starts talking and asking why and when am I gonna get a job? (laughs) But you know, I believe this is a calling from God to fight this evil and expose it I'm not gonna go all Bible-thumpy on you, but um, but my time's coming close to an end as well And unless I get some major funding or a source of income that I can keep doing I've pretty much made an agreement with my wife to do this through November uh, 8th, through Election Day. And I have a $29,000 legal bill to pay back. And uh, <laughs> I want to create a legal offense fund for others to help others. But Legal offense fund.
1: Okay, first of all, isn't that weird? That's what AI came up with based upon McBrady's <laughs> voice.
2: Kind of sounds like it a little bit.
1: But that was from last uh, October. And he It'll said happen. he had until November. And apparently he came up with some funding because he's still now on the air.
2: His full-time job now appears to be harassing teachers and school boards over so-called critical race theory and books containing LGBTQ plus subject matter. McBarity uh, first received national notoriety. Uh, this is what sort of got landed him as Tucker Carlson spot, uh, was after he received a criminal trespass order from SAD 51 schools. Uh, which encompasses schools in Cumberland and North Yarmouth, where he lived at the time, for repeatedly violating district rules. So I'm going to get into that a little bit. In 2020, McBrady became convinced that the school was calling residents of Cumberland white supremacists and teaching critical race theory uh, after SAD51 released a statement denouncing white supremacy and committing to racial equity uh, in the aftermath of the police killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis. I mean, that was a huge deal. The biggest protests we've ever seen in this country were after uh, George Floyd. And a lot of schools were saying, you know what? Black Lives Matter. (laughs) You know, not such a not such a controversial thing to say, you know, when somebody's been literally lynched in the middle of the street. I mean, it's just but anyway, he was he was really upset about that. So as a Press Herald reports out of 110 emails the school board received, only two were negative about that statement. One of them, probably McPriarty, right? <laughs> uh, so McBee, as I'll call him for now, was also freaked out that they hired a, a consultant to do anti-racism training, Um that was actually. Some might know uh, this 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 nonprofit is CCI. Uh, the executive director is Black Girl in Maine on Twitter. You might know her, uh, Shay Stewart Bully. She writes a lot about, uh, you know, racism in Maine and, and things that she's experienced. And
1: very smart person.
2: Very smart person and very much hated by the online chuds. Oh yeah. So he did everything he could to get her fired from that job. She wasn't doing the training. I don't think it was somebody with with the organization. But in violation of school rules, McBriarty padlocked a sign to a school fence, disrupted numerous school board meetings and distributed flyers, denouncing school officials uh, to Greeley high school students. So he's like distributing flyers to students, targeting school board men. It's like, dude, get out of school. You have no business being in here. He's in his 50s. He's like 53 years old now. At one point, he even put a billboard-sized sign of a school board member, uh, Ann Mowitz, I think her name. She was sitting during the Pledge of Allegiance at a meeting. And this this really pisses off these people. Uh, You know, there have been people who sit during the Pledge of Allegiance lately because of uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, in support of you know, goes back to Colin Kaepernick, who's another boogeyman on the right. So he blew up a giant billboard of her sitting during the Pledge of Allegiance. And he surrounded it with rat traps and illuminated it at night. He had like lights on this big billboard. As the Press Herald reported, uh, when the school board member went to McBrady's house to talk to him about the sign, she was served with a criminal trespass warning. And this is what he does. I, I saw one where he was at a school board meeting and somebody like pushed it, took his chair, like pushed his chair, hit him in a hit him in the shin and he's like i'm calling the cops <laughs> You know, that's assault <laughs> i mean they're the biggest crybabies ever
1: they are <laughs> there's a million there's literally a million examples of it and i'm <laughs> gonna go into more of them later not tonight but yeah yeah okay yeah
2: so uh, before the sign went up actually uh the, the school board member uh maximowitz uh Attempted to get a cease of harassment notice from police against McBrady because he not only had the sign up, but he posted a photo in a community forum on Facebook along with specific directions to her house. Uh that evening her Black Lives Matter sign was vandalized. Uh, you know, I'll put two and two together there, right? The court denied her request, and McBee was successful in getting the school district to end his business with uh the anti-racist training nonprofit CCI, but uh, Shea Stewart-Bowley still got a ton of harassment on on Twitter because of this. Because there's nothing these chuds hate more than you know an intelligent, outspoken African American woman. Right. It drives them totally bonkers, uh, and she owns them because she's she's very witty. Right. <laughs> and that makes them even more pissed off. The district said it was happy with the trainings, uh, but dismissed CCI because of some of. Uh, Shea Stewart-Bowley's political tweets that she posted on her private Twitter page. Just kind of ridiculous. But anyway, uh, McGrady cast himself as a free speech martyr uh, in an appearance on Tucker Carlson's uh, show on Fox, implying falsely that he was prohibited from attending his daughter's graduation for his opposition to what he described as anti-white training. (laughs) You know, it wasn't true. The the school district was like, you you can come to your daughter's graduation. We just don't want you on campus causing all this trouble. Right. Leave the kids alone. So after that appearance, McBearney rocketed to right-wing stardom and became a chapter leader of the group No Left Turn Education, uh, which is one of the largest organizations fear-mongering about racial equity in schools. Uh, The group and its founder have compared educators to Pol Pot, Vladimir Lenin, Adolf Hitler, you know, because they're all the same, right, Uh, and claim that black bigotry towards whites is a real problem, blah, blah, blah. Uh, McBrady was too much of a loose cannon, even for this group. No left turn actually fired him in 2021 after he pled guilty to improperly influencing a Cumberland school official for threatening to release a recording of the deceased father of a school board member if he did, they didn't resign.
1: Yeah, and I asked you to look into that more, and it's just, you can't.
2: This is the type of stuff he would do. Like, he interviews He'll, like, call people's family and get them to talk about things or whatever, and then he'll try to use it against them. So he told NBC News in a text message that he had more info on Tyler McGinley, the school board member, that would provide a lot of context as to why MSAG at 51 is teaching critical race theory doctrines. Like,
1: He's constantly harassing educators. It's, sick. it's amazing that uh, something bad hasn't happened uh, with the amount of fury. Yeah. Can... I
2: mean, he openly calls them like sexual deviants and groomers and, and perverts and, and how they like kitty porn and all this other stuff, like all the time on his Twitter. Of course, he blocked me on Twitter after I was trolling him. So, you know, he can dish it out, but he certainly can't take it. Huh. So in a Facebook post after he was let go from no left turn education, uh, McBee said the organization wouldn't back him on his guilty plea. Uh, he called it a victimless crime. It's not victimless. Crime. It's what he's doing. Uh since then, uh, McBee moved north back to his hometown of Hamden to lead more witch hunts to defame teachers, administrators, and school board members. As groomers and sexual perverts, the guy has a real warped definition of what a groomer is. Uh, for instance, in August 2020, uh, McBrady had an online meltdown about a photo of an Ellsworth kindergarten teacher because there were a couple images of rainbows in her cla- on her classroom wall. Uh, one was the word welcome in different bright-colored letters. The other was a rainbow heart. McVee posted a dire warning to his followers. May kindergarten open house provides parents a look at the indoctrination their kids are facing by this teacher. Her class is not a family. It's not about being kind. It's about colors and ABCs. Parents are the family. Pull your kids out
1: now. The, the whole rainbow thing, I just thought, you know, we're going to see a lot about this and uh, why Christians uh, like this guy, McBee, have uh, such a problem with the rainbow is that they believe that the rainbow was a promise from God to Noah that he would never flood the earth again. And the fact that the gay and lesbian community kind of has appropriated, or these chads would say misappropriated, the gays stole the rainbow from Noah.
2: Yeah, see I didn't realize how angry they were about rainbows until I did some digging on that. And it's like it's like getting angry with somebody for using like a a, a shape like a like a diamond or something. Yeah. So the rainbow panic is particularly comical, but these attacks are having a devastating impact on teachers. Uh, So listen to this well-loved and respected Ellsworth K-4 PE teacher described what it was like to be targeted uh, by McBriarty's mob and accused of grooming kids with zero
6: evidence. I don't want to be at this board meeting. I'd rather be in my classroom. I'd rather be home getting some rest for my students tomorrow. But I'm here to make public record of the fact that after 28 years of loyal service, of taking on every new possible curriculum matter that I could from wild things like fencing and inline skating and uh, teaching kids to ride bikes in kindergarten, doing after school programs, raising over $80,000 for the American Heart Association in 18 years. I was accused recently by a small group in a public setting, I've been shared on social media, of two very distinct things, and I won't elaborate, that I ask students to lie to their families, that I tell them to keep secrets, and that I'm using my position to ask students to identify gender-specific body parts. Neither one of those things are true. I've never done that. And I'm very proud of my friend Laura, who stood up here. Our ed techs are the best, and she's in my classroom all the time. And has never witnessed anything inappropriate, ever. And I challenge anybody to investigate me to whatever extent you want. I've always been open in my classroom. Somebody walks by my room, come on in and play with us, because I got nothing to hide. I'm in there having a great time, my students are having a great time, and most importantly, they're learning. They're learning, they're engaged in the environment. I take a great deal of pride in being a physical education teacher and not a gym teacher. I'm I'm sick about this accusation. I want apologies. I want to find a different way to communicate. There are people who don't like how we do things, and that's true every school system. But there has to be a better way to communicate. We have to start treating each other like who I'm talking about is a human being. That person I want to engage with, I want to explain myself, but I was never given a chance.
2: I just want to mention, like, he got a lot of support at that meeting. There were, like, the school board members had kids that had his classes. Like, he's a very popular teacher. Uh, And just what they're doing is just evil. Evil. Like, accusing someone of being a child predator without any evidence, it's just, like, the worst thing you can do to someone. Especially teachers, because their whole career, uh, you know, is based on the trust that parents and the public put in them. It's heartbreaking, because you hear
1: it in his voice. This is, like, a big deal.
2: Okay, so... One of McBee's main targets has been 2022 uh, Teacher of the Year, Kelsey Stoyanova. Uh, she's an eighth grade language arts teacher at Reedsbrook Middle School in Hamden. Uh, McBrady, who doesn't have any children in Hamden schools or in any K-12 schools, Anymore, uh, she's she, accused Stoynova of hypersexualizing students and promoting CRT because she released a reading list uh, for students that included Black and LGBTQ authors. Uh, in 2022, it got so bad with Craig's flooding school board screaming about CRT and grooming and COVID masks and everything else, uh, that State Senator Kathy Breen submitted a bill that would have added school superintendents, uh, principals, teachers, and school board members to the definition of uh, public servants. So it Maine's criminal code uh, to further protect them against harassment and abuse. And at the time, the Bangor Daily News reported that three members of the Ellsworth School Board were granted protection orders after they said a parent threatened them during a January 13th meeting over its masking policy. And Stoyanova, who's the Teacher of the Year, told the BDN about how McFriarty had targeted her for harassment by name on local radio radio and television. And I heard these radio broadcasts. Like He went on like... W V O M, the Voice of Maine, just naming teachers and calling them every awful thing you can think of.
1: Yeah, he does it all the time.
2: Now McBrerdy has exhibited his own questionable behavior, uh, from lurking around school libraries uh, to trying to get students to covertly help him uh, with spying on schools. Um, he posted a video, which we're not going to play.
1: Yeah, I watched that video. Okay.
2: So you want to describe what happened in that video? Well, he claims he was like at a school
1: board meeting and he had to go take a leak. So he was looking for the little boys room and he had his camera rolling and he went from classroom to classroom to classroom, allegedly looking for an American flag and all he could find was Flags of other countries can't learn about them, (laughs) and there's no American flag in that school.
2: He found what he's like, Oh, it's behind this other thing, or something. Yeah,
1: there's more than one. Okay, (laughs) the guy, there's obviously selective editing there because there are more than one American flag. Oh, yeah, yeah, clearly. I mean, he's been thrown out of like board meetings or stuff, and he's allowed to wander the school.
2: Yeah, and and he wants kids to do this for him, that's why he's been reaching out to high school students. And at one point during that video that he took, he sees a kid's drawing on what appears to it looks like a like a locker or something. But there's a kid's drawing and it's of a wolf. It looks like a wolf. And, and it has the words my inner self. And McPready Asked the viewers, totally unironically, whether the kid is a furry. Yeah, a furry? Is this kid a furry? Look what's
1: happening to our schools. Our schools are being overrun with wolves. The wolves are killing other students. It's the students that identify as wolves are eating other students, and they're getting away with it. It's terrible.
2: They're totally telling on themselves when they assume, like when they see kids, they cosplay, they dress up as animals, they dress up as all kinds of things, you know, they're, you know kind of comic nerds or whatever, anime f- f- nerds, and they automatically assume they're getting sexual gratification out of it, right?
1: Because they're pervs, their mind <laughs> is in the gutter all the time, yes. all the
2: time. It's all <laughs> sex, all the time. It's all they think about. They're like teenage boys. So, uh, on his uh group, main source of truth, Twitter, he has posted a pinned uh. Post uh, of Spider-Man behind a tree peering with binoculars with a caption, still looking for a or high school student to covertly help on a story. Creepy. As a parent, I don't want this 53-year-old creep anywhere near my kid. And he has no business bothering kids like that. It's just sketchy as hell. Right. Um, you know, a lot of these public attacks on school employees have raised questions of whether school districts are required to let someone like this just publicly slander private citizens for being pedophiles on mic at school board meetings. Uh, last year, McBriarty was awarded $40,000 in a settlement with RSU-22. Ah!
0: Yeah,
2: uh, in Hamden, after a federal judge ruled that they could not ban him from its meetings. And this is a settlement, I think it was basically like, you know, we're we're not going to insure you uh you know if if you uh if you take this further to court or whatever it, it you know it 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 questionable about whether this would really hold up. But anyway, uh, the Hamden uh, School District had banned uh, McBee from its property in 2021 for being obscene and vulgar and repeatedly saying the phrase hardcore anal sex on the mic in front of students at the school board meeting.
1: I have the tape. I saw the other video surrounding it and he's it's in a library. Literally all around him are little kids and students there. And it's just like people are like, will you just shut up and, and like he just keeps on going
2: he loves doing that
1: all right let me play this
4: okay as long as it's within the context of the whole book because then porn would have a different meaning there was no
7: there's no a, a video or a, or a recording is not permitted for it's not true right so are you okay with hardcore evil books that are on her list I mean, hardcore anal sex books too. I'm, I'm going to ask anal you sex. to shut the video
1: off. I just want to explain what's going on there. He's he does this all the time. He plays like an iPod or an iPad, right? A video, and he'll he'll be up at the microphone at a school board meeting, and he'll hit play on a video or on a secret tape that he had, and that's what he was doing. He's playing the secret tape and that he made with the, one of the school board people. And that's w- where the language is just atrocious. So I'm going to hit play again here.
6: Sit down, please.
7: You're talking about vulgarity, and it's not part of our policy. I'm going to ask you to shut the video off. I'm not currently doing anything I you your comments, which you say pornography. I've asked bad. you to sit down. If you do not sit down, I'm going to ask you to leave the
2: premises. You also said there's a policy. I've asked you, you to sit down. Said, I'm going to ask you now to leave the premises. Yeah, yeah, that's classic. I mean, that's that's what he does. He just goes in these meetings and is as vulgar as humanly possible, and then complains that his free speech has been violated when he gets thrown out.
1: It's almost like the school boards used to dealing with him because they cut his mic off, and then they have like this prearranged screen that goes up on the video and says, "School board meeting is temporarily in recess," but they hadn't officially gone into recess. <laughs> That We're temporarily having technical issues, almost sort of thing that goes (laughs) up on the screen. And that's how they shut him up. And I've seen that a couple of times now. Yeah. We'll play more tape, but you know, he's always, always causing trouble and he's just such a jerk. So, so annoying. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm sorry.
2: The Herman School Department also has a lawsuit against McBready seeking compensation for money the district spent to support employees after McBerty uh, allegedly harassed them. Uh, so McBee has defamed teachers so viciously they had to seek therapy uh, and, and accused Herman School Board members of loving kitty porn and grooming children. Here's an example of McBee disrupting a Herman School Board meeting on November 12th. Tw- uh, 2022. Uh, after repeatedly ruling him out of order, the board members declare recess and leave as he continues ranting, and people in the audience keep yelling him to shut up. A system
7: system it turns a part part have to to of Go away. Go away. Enough. We time.
5: Not And
2: the school board has just left. They've just they've just like gotten up and left the room. And the, and that's a member of the audience
1: yelling, go away. It's like a woman <laughs> sitting like in the fourth <laughs> row back and she's just yelling, go away. And he just keeps on talking, doesn't stop.
2: So that lawsuit is pending in Penobscot County Superior Court. Uh, McBrady has started a crowdfunding campaign to pay his legal bills, as we know. Uh, the law firm Drummond Woodsum is actually taking the case pro bono. Uh, so that kind of tells me they're confident they can beat him in this. I looked up
1: his Give, Send, Go, his crowdfunding thing. It's like the Christian crowdfunding site. Yeah. That's where Hammer and NSC 131, all those guys have. It's like for people who get banned from GoFundMe, they go to this thing. Like Patreon before. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a Patreon for Christians, <laughs> right? Because um, there are a lot of Christians on it. So I looked at McBrady saying, uh, you know, he's just raised in this last one that he's got going. I don't know how many of these things he's had, but he, he's raised about five grand. And I, I want to tell you a couple of the names on it. You'll recognize Dr. Christian Northrup just gave him three hundred dollars. OK, Christian Northrup gave McBee three hundred bucks. And guess who gave him a thousand bucks? Well, I'm not going to make you guess. Linehan. Yes, for the listener, he's the uh, 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 far right uh, Christo Fash who owns a Fash movie theater in Ellsworth. Yeah constitutional hall constitution not constitutional. Oh,
2: constitution
1: yeah <laughs> and he's run for every possible office and lost every single time and uh he gave him a thousand bucks and
2: even in even at races where republicans could win like he's just like the death kiss so Mcbee's raising money but not big money yeah that's not much for a legal defense unless unless well we'll talk about a sketchy lawyer in a second. but it
1: also could be multiples he could take him down and put new ones up you know he oh, always, okay. you know is, i don't have a way to track how many give send goes he's had, right? He right. could have had like several of them. He often makes announcements on his pod about like um and it's not like I listened to his podcast, I just did for this show, right? I listened to like yeah. five episodes, but really fast, right? Like right. I put up really fast. Uh but he will like say, I'm going to CPAC, and he'll do a new give send go to raise money to go to CPAC. Uh, the latest one he went to is um Turning Point USA. And he came back and he was really sick. So I'm wondering if there's a COVID outbreak there.
2: And of course, McBrearty has another lawsuit. I think this is lawsuit number three, maybe. Uh, Against the school district in Hamden for limiting his free speech by prohibiting him from defaming school employees at school board meetings. His argument is that if school employees can be praised at board meetings, he should be able to call them pedophiles for balance or something like that. You know, this teacher is wonderful. She's gone beyond the bounds of, uh, you know, of her job. She's just wonderful with the kids. They love her. Yeah, but she's a pedophile. Like, you know, it's just for fair and balance, right? It's just crazy.
1: Well, it's just freedom of speech to do that, just like it's our freedom of speech to say he's a real asshole and he's got some yeah. issues. Like, the dude is obviously a sociopath. Oh, big time. <laughs> he has... Uh, Runs so many educators' names through his foul mouth. Yeah, he he gives out their phone numbers with the extension for their classroom. He gives out their emails. He he you know makes it so it's easy to get in touch with. And that tape that we listened to of the phys ed teacher that yeah. was somehow connected. And I don't want to go into it because it's a long thing. But it's that was somehow connected to one of McBee's uh, you know useful idiots. Like yeah. the person that made the allegations.
2: Yeah, because there are dumb people that follow this and they'll just like spout any like thing they heard on Facebook or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they all just heard this, well, you know, it's like fourth hand or whatever. Um, the thing is about all these meetings is I'm like, you know, I always went to like school board, council meetings, legislating, all these things. And there's like rules of decorum. Like I, I always thought you could never, ever say that kind of stuff in a school board meeting. Right. Like I was always like really nervous to speak at any of those kind of meetings because and, and a lot of people most most sane people are because you know there's rules of decorum you're addressing the public officials. It's into the public record. Yeah, it's into the public record. It's like I'm going to read to the public
1: record that it's like a, some pornographic thing. It's like okay, with my name attached to it.
2: Right, right. And I think a lot of it is is like most of us care about our reputation and with the online space, you can find people who cheer you on to do that stuff. Whereas before people just think you're crazy. You know, you can't get a job in a community if you're doing stuff like that, you know, and he doesn't, Right. he's just hoping to live off, uh, you know, philanthropy or whatever donations. Main
1: health is not going to be hiring McBurdy back. I don't think so. <laughs> They're not going to be like, welcome back from your leave of absence, uh, Sean, here's yeah. your corner office. Uh, and, Get get us some IT contracts. No, he's done. Yeah,
2: yeah. But the thing, what I'm really interested about these about these cases is is it it seems like it would determine like can you know public meetings, can they set standards of decorum? Because otherwise all hell would break loose, right? I mean, you could just go in and start reading a list of lists of names and calling everybody pedophiles with no with no absolutely no nothing to have. I have free speech, I have rights. That was what everybody was yelling at him in Herman. It's like, what the hell are you doing here, dude? You don't live here. You shouldn't be able to speak. I think that you should have to ask permission if you're not from the town. Unanimous consent to speak.
1: Okay, Andy, I think that's enough Sean McBee for part one of our series on trans panic in Maine. Part two is already available to our Patreons. To become a member of our community, bringing you independent journalism and stories that go places others won't, visit patreon.com backslash crash underscore Barry, or visit crashberry.com for more episodes and links to my books, films, and other projects. And in part two of Trans Panic in Maine, we'll be looking at another bunch of weirdos and freaks inspired and working with McBrady and Larry Lockman. So please, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and here's one more not-safe-for-work clip of a school board meeting.
6: People keep m- mentioning genderqueer. We have 14 do- uh, books that we have been fighting and putting, and we've met with librarians, the superintendents, everybody. Now, I really want to know who is okay Sir. with having bestiality in our schools. Why is it okay for you guys to have literature in the school where a girl is taking her cat's tail and putting it in her pussy? That is not okay and I am not afraid to see it right say it right now because it's all adults in here. You're teaching kids or allowing kids to learn how to use butt plugs. You're allowing kids to learn how to suck cock and they're in the library. Now this is Illegal. This is pornography in our kids school.
0: He's big and strong, he's sad and mad, and a little bit funny. You